Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Darren Huang. Uh, Darren and I met through a mutual friend, actually from the other, one of my co-hosts from my other podcast uh, from Advanced Real Estate Investing. Um but uh, Darren, he, he's down in Tulsa, Arizona. Maybe give us a little bit of an intro to yourself, and then we'll get into your story and uh, how, it's, how everything's went. It's actually Tulsa, Oklahoma. Sorry, Oklahoma. Why did I say Arizona? My goodness. <laughs> I know it's in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, cool. sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do another take or, or are you good? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Great. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit about me. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and my wife grew up here in Tulsa in one of the suburbs, Bixby, Oklahoma. I never would have thought that I would landed here in Tulsa, but uh, I've been really, really enjoying it. So I've been here for almost uh, since 2014. Yeah. Um, just thought I was going to take a little pit stop, get get her to marry me and then uh, then leave. But uh, it drew me in and I'm, I'm really enjoying it here. Is it the weather? <laughs> it is Partially? not the weather, no? nor is it the allergies, because my allergies are terrible here. Oh. But uh, her family is here, so her sister, so my sister-in-law's here. They have a little young one. I have a three-year-old and one-year-old, and then the in-laws are here too. And free childcare is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Uh, <laughs> I have some young ones <laughs> myself. Um, so yeah, you you you. You're down there in Tulsa. Did you like, how's this real estate journey start? Were you doing this back in Columbus? Did that start when you got moved down there? No, not at all. So um, I moved here in 2014 um, and just did a sales job. So I was in business business uh, with a wireless carrier here and I was just in sales and I hated that every single month, every single quarter it reset. And so I was just looking for my own terms and I found real estate. Uh, you know, initially I got licensed in 2016. I thought, Hey, I was just going to be a salesperson. I was just going to, uh, you know, start a team, maybe then own a brokerage or something along those lines. But yep. it wasn't until 2017, I picked up my first investor client and my world changed. <laughs> so you, you got to see what he was doing. You're like, uh, I need to get on that other side. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. What was maybe like, we'll just start with that a little bit. So what was this guy doing? Yeah, this guy was doing primarily the birth strategy within single families and small multis. And so, you know, I was at first, you know, I thought it was a godsend because I, I was like, you, what do you mean? You don't care about the granite color. You don't care about the, the wall paint and like anything along those lines. He's like, well, I just care about the numbers. And I was like, oh, that is perfect for me. So I thought he was a godsend because I was, I was able to get unlimited commission and he was always buying. But then my eyes were opened when he actually showed me full cycle what a birth strategy, what what one of his single family homes would actually do. Awesome. So where do you go from that? So you you, you saw what he's doing. You, where do you do? What do you do next? Yeah. What do I do next, man? So uh, like I said, he kind of sideway, sideways mentored me for a little bit. His name was Curtis. So shout out to Curtis. Um, but you know, I actually added value to him. I found these deals and then he would just open up his books to me. He said, Hey, listen, this is what we bought it for. You saw it. And then this is how much renovation. And now the bank values at this much and I'm able to pull out this much. So just for some raw numbers, you know, he bought the house for 75 K, you know, I brought it to him and he goes, well, I put in 25 and the bank appraised that 140, and I pulled out all my capital. And I was like, so you pretty much 
didn't have any money into this. It's not just a 20% down and, and save up and then 20% down. He goes, yeah, no, I add value by doing the renovations, making an unlivable house, a livable house. And then, you know, the bank rewards me by, uh, you know, giving me a, a nice, decent loan. And I have a nice rental after the end of the day. Yeah. You just do it again. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, for this guy, um, it, was he doing like, like, how was he funding these things? So he's using his own money, private money. What, what, what was his sort of game plan there? Yeah. So his family was in real estate previously and he was actually out of state, but he grew up in Tulsa. And so his family was pretty rooted. It was mostly using his own capital and then taking it to the bank. Um, I believe he did use some, con uh, a couple of different types of construction loans and hard money. But uh, for the most part, the ones that we transacted, it, transacted in was his own capital. Awesome. Okay. So you, uh, you got this guy, he's doing it. <clears throat> he's kind of teaching you how to do it. Do you end up working with him? Do you go start on your own thing? Where do you go from there? Yeah. Like I said, he kind of sideways mentored me and, you know, he had his family and has systems already. So, um, really, really lucky. I was able to bring deals to him. If he passed on them and I said, Hey, you know, what would make sense for someone like me starting out? And then he would kind of tell me and coach me. So, uh, I didn't end up working with him, uh, yeah. but super grateful for him. So that first deal in 2017, small single family home, I brought it to a couple people um, and they were like all at 75. They were all at 75 and um, or 70 and the owner wanted 75. And I said, man, they're only $5,000 off. I think they're, they're going to regret, you know, on a long-term hold um, because I think this area is really going to explode. And so what I did was I didn't have the capital. So I uh, negotiated a lease with a purchase. Um, leased with an option basically. Yeah. And so I leased the property from him for $500 a month. I fixed it up. It was unlivable. I couldn't live in there. I fixed it up. And then I, I leased it for a thousand dollars a month. And then after one year, I executed the option to purchase the property. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I do lease options all the time, but it's usually me initiating the lease option. I'd love to hear the other side of that. So being on the other side, because I know I'm an honest guy, what uh, what security were you in? Were you ever worried that like maybe you fixed this up and then he didn't sell it to you? What uh, Did that ever cross your mind or anything like that? I always wonder from the other perspective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once again, it was, it was a legally binding contract that we had. It was yeah. uh, pretty, pretty honest and open. And then once again, I had that relationship factor. So, um, you know, he saw me hustling, trying to bring investors in, try to make a deal happen for him. Um, but, you know, they never hit his number. And yeah. so I was like, Hey, listen, you're not going to do this. You had multiple offers, you know, at 70 or even a below, um, you know, if you could just allow me and give me the chance and through that relationship, you know, he said, okay, let me, let me cash flow just a little bit for that first year. And then, you know, when you fix it up and put in your own capital, um, then, then you can buy it from me. And so, yeah. Awesome. So on this lease option, we were, you were the the buyer in that you, uh, mm -hmm. you, you kept the property. Is that the, the plan? You keep the property, keep those tenants in, and you just let it continue to roll. Um, did yeah. that change your payments? Um, yes, it definitely changed my payments um, because I, I put in the initial capital, like uh, I think it was about 20-ish thousand dollars. Okay. And that's what I had saved up. And so when I purchased it, I used hard money to purchase the 75. Then I immediately took it to a bank and tried to refi uh, and then refinanced it. So I was able to pull out all that capital um, and, you know, keep on churning. Um, but yeah, I changed my payments um, maybe by an extra 100, 150-ish dollars. No, that's cool. I, I love yeah. it. I, I love this creative, anyway, creative financing, because that's a way to get into a deal 
with not really very low money, right? You didn't have to come up with all the cash. You didn't even have to go to the bank. You didn't have to go pay um, points, origination, none of that jazz. You skipped it all. Love it. Yep. <laughs> so, okay. So you do that one. How does, how does that go? Like, do you, are you able to turn this into a lease option business? Uh, I know you got a whole bunch of residentials. You got some multis, you got some mobile homes. H how does this build? How do you, how do you start working on this? I'm, I'm just, I love people's story. I, this yeah, is the great yeah. <laughs> When I started investing in the US, I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. Gosh, I mean, I just kind of hit the ground running. It almost was like a, a click that happened inside my soul. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is real. And, you know, you read about it and, you know, you hear people's stories, even mine, and you're like, are you sure that's true? Or maybe the, the excuse is like, oh, well, they bought back in 2017 or something along those lines. Yeah, but yeah. people do this all the time and every day. Um, and so I just want to encourage people that are listening or, or even dipping their toes in the waters, go ahead and try um, because, you know, these things really do happen. Um, but yeah, that was, I was hooked basically from that point on. And then I parlayed that into more of like a house hack. So I was like, okay, real estate can build wealth. I'm selling this. Uh, let's, let's do kind of a, a value add house hack. Um, yeah. and then soon enough, you know, the burst strategy is buy, uh, renovate, rent out, refinance and repeat. And yes. so I was able to churn that and actually churn money, um, and then from there, within the contacts and networkings, uh, networking space, I got in contact with a lot of hard money lenders, a lot of maybe uh, construction loan and uh, local banks to to be able to do this a little bit faster um, than than uh, most people. Yeah. So when you're doing a house hack, um, you're usually that the way you're leveraging the bank in those sort of situations. So did you go into like an FHA loan, a conventional loan? Like what kind of which loan program did you try to leverage on that one? Yeah, this one was a conventional 5% down. Okay. Um, and so I, I kind of did it a little differently. Um, okay. So there were two houses on the same street, but different, um, not like different units. So different actually properties. Um, but I bought the first one uh, for myself and my wife at the time. And we put 5% down. And then the other one, we used hard money. And so once again, without with the, the relationship that I made, I actually jacked up the price of my property so that I was only I was leveraging up a ton uh, for the five percent. And then the other property I bought cash or you know with hard money, um, and it was much lower price. But at the end of the day, you know the net sheet was was balanced to her uh, the same. And so I was able to kind of play the system by leveraging up my single family, getting a really great rate, thirty year fixed rate, um, and five percent down. And then the other one, once again, I bought it with hard money, worked on it, put a tenant in there, refinanced that one, and basically got all the capital out. Awesome. So burr and burr and burr. <laughs> um, and then how many of these did you do? <laughs> yeah. So now uh, in 2022, we are up to over 100 units. Uh, most of those are single family, small multis. And then uh, I did it with a mobile home park. Awesome. So mobile home parks, I, I know like we, we both know Ari. I don't know if that's maybe where you got the, the connection from. I'm not, I didn't ever ask you how you met, met, met Ari, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, mobile home parks. Uh, what size of mobile home park are we talking? 
Yeah, this one is a very small one. Um, it is 25 units total and it's actually mixed use. There's a quadplex and a duplex on it. So there's only 19 pads and most of those are actually park owned homes. I, I've never heard of like quadplexes or duplexes or on a, in multifamily. I always think of them as, you know, uh, a double wide, a triple wide, a single. That's, I always think of them like that. I never thought of them as multifamily. What do they look like? Do they still look the same? Oh no. So, so the, the, there's actually like fixed structures on this, on this property. So there's an actual building that's four units and then another building that's a two unit. And then the other, all the other ones are single whites. Okay. All right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, it's interesting stuff. Um, and it, these, uh, this mobile home park, is it in like an area where you live? Like, do you manage this yourself? Do you outsource this? Yeah. So it's uh, pretty close to me. It's in the same city. Um, basically got the referral from a friend. Yeah. Um, this was during bigger pockets. Heyday. Brandon Turner was just dipping his toes into, uh, the water of, of mobile homes. And he was really influenced me through, through bigger pockets. I was like, okay, I got to try it. Um, you know, what they didn't tell me was that he had a lot of scale, had a lot of help. And then also 25 units is not really, uh, the best, uh, size just because you're still very hands-on it's really hard to pass off to a property manager but um when i bought it it was 36 percent occupied so um it was just a mom and pop owner he did everything himself he fixed it up he was a leasing agent and everything like that he was getting older and so once again very creative in my financing um he carried back a portion of the loan um and i got a construction loan on it um, but yeah, it worked really, really hard. And this was in 2019. I bought it 2020, as you know, the pandemic, I had to jump through so many hoops and, you know, this is a C-class D-class property and did it all wrong and learned a ton. Uh, but now it is hovering about 92, 96%, um, depending on where we're at. That's awesome. And, uh, I'm just going to dive into a couple things you said there. You said it's very hands-on. What does it look like to manage, uh, a mobile home park? Like what, what kind of things do you happen to do? Yeah. So in a mobile home park, there's kind of two different things. Um, one people usually just, so once again, like I mentioned before, I did it all wrong. So usually, uh, the, the, uh, the operator of a mobile home park only wants to own the dirt. And so they provide electricity, gas, and uh, water, and then they can move on a mobile home and charge them lot rent. I did it the opposite. I own most of those homes. I own 14 park-owned homes, and I rent out the homes instead of just the lot. And so I'm still having to de- deal with te- uh, termites and toilets and you know all these things, renovations uh, of these you know 1970s, 1980s uh, single whites. Yeah. And then also the clientele and the class, they don't take care of the mobile homes because they don't own them themselves. And mm-hmm. so those are the kind of the two different ways to run and operate a mobile home park. Um, the cash on cash is amazing um, because, you know, I'm in it for so little. And um, when when numbers get squeezed down, the percentages mm-hmm. kind of boost up. Right. Um, but yeah, so now we are actually turning that into more of an RV. Um, oh. So anytime a mobile home is not savable, we'll, we'll de- demolish it and just rent it out to an RV. And that is just lot rent. Okay. And when, every time you remove, cause I, I did a little bit of research on mobile homes in the past, when you mm-hmm. remove a home, like just by tearing it down, um, that's going to change your net operating income, which, you know, with mobile home parks, you're going to be applied to a cap rate. So how do you, is it just part of business? How do you counter that so that you're not do, decreasing the value of your home or your your park? Yeah. And so 
that is kind of the equilibrium that's very tricky because there is personal property that is worth uh, worth money. You know, when you own a mobile home, that's actually worth money. And obviously, even though it's a headache factor, the NOI is uh, not yet compressed unless you have the majority of them uh, as more hands off. So right now I'm probably at a blended rate at 10 cap, you know, but if I was just to have lot rent, you know, that would squeeze down to six, seven cap. Um, and then when it was first underwritten, it was underwritten at 12 cap. Um, so the NOI definitely changes, but then the headache factor changes too. So, you know, I'm just providing those three things, water, gas, a place to park, um, and electricity. So I don't have to go into these people's RVs or mobile homes to fix their toilets or anything along those lines. So my expense ratio is not as high. Um, so I'm kind of blended right now just because I still do have a lot of park-owned homes. But now that if they're beyond saveable, we will uh, demo them and just get the lot rent. Okay. It, does it uh, involve actually going to the, the the park very often? Like, Do you actually physically have to go to a park? Yeah. So one of the tips, and I didn't believe them when they said that, but uh, they said one of the main reasons of success that they have is a really stellar uh, park manager. So a person that takes pride in their home, where they live, different things like that, go ahead and promote them, give them free lot rent or something along those lines. So I was like, that's such a cop-out because it doesn't feel like you can really do that much. So to answer your question for this one, particularly, I don't because my manager and uh, my park, my park manager and my property manager are kind of taking uh, the helm of that and taking the brunt of that. And I make some of the larger decisions, whether to keep one or move it or renovate it and stuff like that. So I'm not really um, on site all too much, but at the very beginning I was because I was learning a ton and making all the mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you pick that guy? <laughs> Just pride of ownership, man. So, you know, he moved on a long-term RV and I didn't really trust him. Um, but yeah, through relationship and through understanding that he was the one that was picking up trash and, you know, he wanted to cut his own yard because my lawn guys weren't taking uh, care of his and weed eating and stuff like that. I said, you know, I just kind of talked to him and I said, Hey, listen, this is what we're kind of planning towards this park manager. Let me know if you'd be interested. And he goes, yes, please. Uh, I want to be able to yell at, <laughs> I want to be able to yell <laughs> at people. Authority, to, to yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah. So, so picking that person is just really about pride of ownership and making sure that he wants to uh, keep, keep the park clean. Awesome. When you do your next mobile home park, would you, what would you do differently? Yeah, absolutely. So I have actually taken a very big switch into residential now into industrial. I got my butt kicked. It was a really, really good deal. Um, but yeah, I learned a ton. And like I said, if I was to do another park, I would make sure that um, I was in it with the uh, underwriting to make sure that it was going to be more lot rent, not instead of owning the, the, the park, uh, owning the homes, excuse me. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. It, is there a certain size you would be looking for or is the 25 fine again? Um, locally, I think, you know, whatever you can get your hands on to and then maybe transition, but I would say 50 and up would probably be something good to have a property manager and a park manager on site or maybe a blend of the both. Makes a lot of sense. And you, you just talked about the uh, commercial industrial or flex or whatever you're, tell me a little bit about that before I let you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have shifted pretty dramatically. It didn't leave necessarily a bad taste in my mouth, but um, you know, my personality, as you can tell, I'm really numbers oriented 
And so I made this really big shift beginning of 2022 into industrial real estate. Um, I like it for three different reasons. One, uh, per square foot industrial is the largest asset class. Um, it's not the most expensive. That would probably be multifamily or maybe even medical office or something along those lines. Um, but that just kind of suits my personality because there's still a lot of mom and pop owners. So it's the largest one. And then two, you know, there's still good deals to be had. Second reason really I like industrial is, um, you know, hedge funds and big companies are starting to look at this. So a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, and so even though I'm in like local credit tenants only, um, think carpenters or just machine, or maybe even like this past deal that I just did was a used appliance warehouse. Um, all these hedge funds are really pouring money into some of this distribution and warehouse, um, especially for e-commerce. And the third reason why is the complete opposite of the mobile home park. All these leases, most of them are triple net leases. And um, those are amazing. Want to explain triple net in case somebody doesn't know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So triple net leases and commercial leases in general um, really have the landlord pretty hands off. But triple net, so each net corresponds to the first one is property insurance, yeah. property tax, second one's property taxes, and the third one is common area maintenance. So I, as a landlord, gets the bill back for the, the property that I own, the insurance, the taxes, and the common area maintenance. Awesome. It, in a triple net lease, if they don't pay the, the say, the, the property taxes, like you just evict them like or what what how does that work if you because it's like they may be paying their rent but they're not paying all of the parts of it yeah so then you would just kind of send them a notice hey listen you know we're uh usually i just break it down in 12 months and then pay it all at, at one time and so hey you know we're a hundred dollars off or you know hey we need to credit back you a hundred dollars so yeah. that's kind of done on the managerial okay. side okay. That makes but, a lot more yeah sense. some of the some of the local tenants like for example i have one that wants to pay it directly and so, you know, if he doesn't pay it, then yeah, he gets a notice and you can technically start the eviction process um, if you, if you wanted to. Awesome. I love it. Well, Darren, <laughs> that was, that was fun. You had like, there was so much information. I was, I was hanging on the story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if people wanted to like reach out to you, wanted to, you know, maybe invest in one of your uh, commercial projects or whatever you're working on, or even just pick your brain, how do they get a hold yeah. of you? Yeah. So the best way to do that is darrenhuang.com. That's my uh, name.com. You want to spell that two, for them maybe? Yeah. <laughs> D-E-R-E-N and then H-U-A-N-G.com. And you can do two things on that website. You can book a call immediately. So you can pick my brain or if you wanted to potentially ask about the industrial properties that I have. Um, this past one, I picked it up at a 10 cap. Can't find those anywhere. No. Um, but I, I structured a lease back at a 10 back. Uh, uh, a, per, a lease purchase, sorry, purchase with at least, uh, gosh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> it's okay. A lease sale back, sale lease back. There it is. Sale lease back at a 10 cap. And, uh, I was able to do that, but yeah, you can do one of two things. You can, um, book a call with me or you can sign up for my newsletter and you'll actually get access to those exclusive deals. Awesome. Well, Darren, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This is it great to get to know you. It's great to hear your story. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me.